Hello, and welcome to Fintech Insider Insights. I'm Kate Moody, and today we're asking, can Egypt's young population push through a fintech revolution? While we in the West may associate Egypt with its grand history of pharaohs and pyramids, the truth is that the North African country is looking extremely youthful, with a median population of just 24 years old. With this young population, connected to the internet like never before, comes new expectations on banking and financial services, with many from outside the country also looking at this hugely profitable market as a place to expand to. So, in this episode we're asking, how does the market look today? What challenges are still to be overcome? And what does the future hold for Egypt? Before we get into that, let's hear a brief word from our sponsors. Did you know that the majority of people are investing in cryptocurrency through a taxable account when they could be using an IRA, that's an individual retirement account, and avoiding or deferring those taxes? With Alto Crypto IRA, you can invest in crypto without tax headaches, creating a free account in only minutes. Choose from over 150 coins and invest with as little as $10. That's right, only 10 bucks. No setup charges and no account fees. To open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as $10, $10, just go to altoira.com forward slash insider. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com forward slash insider. So let's get started. As always, I'm not alone, but I'm joined by some amazing guests who can shed light on Egypt's fintech and financial services. Making their fintech insider debut, we're delighted to have Momtaz Musa, co-founder and CEO at Lucky. Welcome to the show, Momtaz. Thanks for joining us. Could you give us the essential rundown on Lucky, please? Okay, thank you very much for, for having me today. Lucky is a consumer commerce network. We're right now actually the leading consumer commerce network in Egypt with 8 million accounts. Uh, we offer different services to our users, our underbanked users, starting from providing products at better prices to our underbanked users and extending different payment services to these, these users. Lucky has uh, started in 2019. We have recently gotten our banking agent license to be able to distribute cards in partnership with banks such as Bostrick Bank and Versa Dhabi Bank. And um, yeah, and it's uh, exciting times and uh, really looking forward to, to continuing this discussion, discussing how, how fintech is evolving in Egypt. Fantastic. Yeah. Can't wait to hear more about, about your experience and your perspective on the market. And making a very welcome return to Fintech Insider, we're also joined by Eslam Darwish, General Partner at Include by Global Ventures. Eslam, great to have you back on the show. Can you remind our listeners about Include, please? Sure. It's good to be back, Kate. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, it's good to be also with uh, with Mumtaz and uh, and uh, with Lucky. We are lucky to uh, to have led the round of uh, of a recent round of uh, of the Lucky app, and uh, we're proud to support uh, Mumtaz and, uh, and and the Lucky team on their exciting journey. So, uh, include as um, you know, uh, you may know, is uh, is an investment platform that's been recently launched in Egypt. Uh, include is an Egypt-centric investment platform, and uh, and by that I mean we support startups uh, in the Egyptian ecosystem that are focused on uh, on fintech and fintech-enabled solutions. We also invest in companies across the Middle East and Africa region who have ambitions and plans to expand their operations to Egypt. Our strategic mandate is ultimately to solve for financial inclusion in Egypt and the rest of the continent. And uh, we focus primarily on early-stage startups from uh, our sweet spot is seed, series A, 
uh, MB. And as I mentioned, again, fintech and fintech-enabled is, is, uh, is our sector-focused. And, um, and the definition of fintech-enabled here is companies that have embedded finance solutions. So they may exist in other sectors like edtech, agriculture, health tech, etc. Uh, but so long as they have an embedded finance solutions, they fall within the include mandate. And uh, we're very excited uh, to have gone live in the, in the last couple of months. We've made our first four investments um, with the lucky Mozera, uh, Paymob and Khazna and uh, many more to come. So exciting times here in Egypt. Very exciting times. Yeah, I just saw the news about Paymob today. So um, congratulations on that. Yes, one. yes, indeed. Thank you. But yeah, maybe we'll touch on that, that later on. Brilliant. Well, thank you again for, for joining us. It's great to have you both here and I can't wait to hear both your perspectives. So let's get started. To start us off, it'd be great if we could take a look at the fintech scene in Egypt as a whole. So why should the rest of the world be paying attention to Egyptian fintech right now? Eslam, great to start with you. So it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very good question and uh, it's been a long time in, in the making, let's put it that way, right? The last five years in Egypt has been very exciting for the overall tech ecosystem in Egypt, but in fintech in specific. And um, I mean, there are many angles to look at to be able to answer that question. One, the sheer opportunity itself with, you know, with the financially excluded uh, a population of roughly 57%. If you define it as underserved, probably you will cross the 70% mark. 95% of the market uh, remains in cash. Just on the back of this opportunity is alone, the ecosystem has been thriving, whether it's on the fintech side, the evolution of the banking sector itself, trying to address this bigger uh, opportunity. And this demand uh, pool has sort of translated itself into, into more talent coming into fintech, more investments, and uh, include as a proof point uh, of that as well. And, uh, and, um, you know, more technology solutions. And, and last but not least is a significant evolution and progress in regulation to enable the ecosystem to sort of, to do the job that needs to be done, which is solve for financial inclusion. Uh, that's at a very high level. No, that's brilliant. That's great to get us started. Momtaz, obviously you're in the midst of all of this and you know, you're living and breathing on a day to day basis. And how would you describe the Egyptian fintech scene in, in three words if I had to limit you to three? I think I would second what Islam said. It's a substantial opportunity, uh, ex- extremely challenging, but also extremely exciting. I would choose those three words, and uh, and that's uh, I think the opportunities like like Islam has just uh, mentioned the numbers, but also I would like to uh, underscore what you, Kate, have, have mentioned at the beginning of the interview is like Egypt itself, like the geographic position of Egypt and the importance of Egypt is in the region. Is 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 uh, is underpinning this opportunity. You have 100 million uh, people and mostly youth, and adding to that the some of the challenges that have been there for decades that are right now being resolved. That makes it a very exciting opportunity for any entrepreneur to be part of. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose, how would you describe the typical Egyptian financial customer in 2022, Eslam? You mentioned that you know there's still a huge proliferation of, of cash in, in society and you know, cash is still still king to use <laughs> to use a cliched phrase you know, are people generally open to new and innovative products what's the state of play I, lo- I, lo- I love that question for a reason right because you know, we, we, we get asked and I have a, a very specific point of view on this it's um, you know when you, if you really ask people about cash if you have problems with cash they really don't right we, we love fintech and we love we, you know we love to talk about cashless societies and digital transformation and and financial inclusion but you know it comes down to what's in it for them right 
if you deliver a value proposition that enhances their everyday life or facilitates everyday lives of people, the willingness is there both to pay and try, right? So I think, yeah, the, the short answer is the propensity is there, but it's up to entrepreneurs like Montaz here and, and, uh, and the hundreds of others of the ecosystem to deliver those solutions that, that create the right traction, create the right demand and, and really, really impact people's lives and livelihoods. Yeah, the majority of the population is either underbanked or unbanked. Uh, so this makes most of the population our customer. Of course, the drivers for change in most of the, in most of the countries are the younger generations because they're more willing to change. And uh, so that makes us focus more on, on, on the younger Gen Z and millennials. But this does not undermine the importance of also taking into account the, the older generations and their needs. One of the very interesting things, obviously, that, that, that are typical of the, of the Egyptian economy, but also, I guess, generally in terms of emerging markets, right, that there is a huge informal sector of the economy that, that, that exists today. So the majority of employment happens in the inf informal sector. So there is a huge upside in terms of, you know, the role of fintech in terms of organizing, you know, payments or money flows generally for these audiences. So um, they come with a specific set of characteristics, including typically lower education, you know, they skew more towards younger audiences, as Montez mentioned. And also, I mean, one of the things that, that needs to be heavily addressed here is it also skews more towards the female gender, right? Um, uh, so that is, a, you know, a financial inclusion gap within female gender is something also that needs to be actively solved for. Absolutely. And I suppose, you know, all of this change is, is really exciting but it's unlocked right things happen in the, in the ecosystem which unlock this opportunity for change so what do you see as you know, the most crucial developments in the scene in, in the last five years say you know what have been the landmark deals or regulation changes or innovations that have made all of this disruption possible i think some of the most important changes uh, especially for for a sector that is so crucial for the economy come from uh, the government like i feel that uh, there is a clear commitment to innovation and Include is, is a very good example of that. Include is, has been backed by the top uh, banks in national banks in Egypt and also the central bank. And that hasn't been the case before. So that, that's, that this is a clear signal about how the government is committed. Also, from a policy perspective, I, I see that there are significant policy changes and they are the reason why companies like Lucky have uh, have uh, have an opportunity that they couldn't have had like uh, 10 years ago. We're talking about something like um, banking agent license, which gives uh, companies like us the ability to start distributing banking services, something that we never had access to before. Also, if you th coming up is is the EKYC, which uh, which in my opinion will be a pivotal change in the way Egyptians consume credit because it starts. Uh, giving uh, a tool for all of the fintechs to be able to extend credit uh, and manage risk uh, adequately at the same time. Uh, so these these changes, and I think there is, I mean, Islam will, will also be a, a very informed about this and there, there, there are much more to come, but I think from the government has played a significant role. And with that, it triggered uh, the creation of an ecosystem that attracts entrepreneurs to be more engaged as well as investors. Uh, that's definitely, and you can see this in the amount of investments that came in the last uh, in, the, in the last five years. Like uh, 
in 2017, it was $1 million in fintechs. Last year, we crossed $150 million. So it's, um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a d- d- very different times from how things were 10 years ago. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Islam, obviously, it makes sense to, to come to you on this. So, you know, but as Momtaz has mentioned, your investment has, has soared. So what has, what's been the catalyst for that? And what impact is that having on the market? I think, again, if you look at, at the transformation that happened in Egypt over the last five years, it comes at so many levels, right? First, again, uh, a hyper-connected population. Right, that that's definitely a major driver for all for all technology. I'll start with talking also about the technology infrastructure. So you have players like the Egyptian banks company uh, and the technology infrastructure that has been built in terms of uh, payments at a national level is a clear enabler for uh, for the future. Digitalizing all government payments with uh, through companies like eFinance, right? The rollout of a recent initiative like uh, the instant payment network uh, in Egypt, again, a big, big step forward and a true enabler for the ecosystem in terms of you know, being able to pay from any from any card to uh, to any account to any wallet. That's, again, a real game changer uh, from a technology infrastructure perspective. Um, the other thing also, again, backing but uh, building on what Montez is saying, again, with increasing demand uh, regulation, uh, steps in to, to obviously organize uh, the, the, the ecosystem. And uh, regulators have not only been responsive to the change that are happening, but have also been proactive to drive the change. So I think at the national level, there's a clear commitment for delivering a digital Egypt. Financial services transformation is an integral component of that. And that translated into regulations and policies, both from the Central Bank of Egypt, as well as the FRA, the Financial Regulatory Authority. And um, we've seen lots of you know, specific initiatives around you know, digital banking regulation. The recent fintech law uh, that was uh, was released earlier earlier this year, I believe, covering quite a number of dimensions, everything uh, from, you know, consumer lending to insurance, uh, factoring, leasing, etc. So it's touching a, an, in terms of, you know, a, a lot of areas and in, in creating a framework to enable uh, the, uh, to, uh, the current players in the in the in the fintech ecosystem but also to to create a fertile ground for uh for future fintechs right and uh, you know ma- making as you know making it more clear what are the licensing requirements for 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 different verticals what's it going to take to incorporate in Egypt so v- various areas have been addressed in this fintech law and uh, and much more to come so again it's a very um, it's a very exciting time to to see that Maybe a couple more. Again, talent. I think we've seen uh, a, in a um, tech and uh, and fintech in specific become a career choice for uh, for many of uh, of the young talent. So that's again been a very much noticed uh, uh, trend. Uh, you know, again, it's uh, as you as we all know, it's a foundational element for any ecosystem to grow. And then you know, with all these things happening, capital flows, right? So uh, um, you know, we're seeing much more. Definitely, uh, with you know the the local ecosystem, uh, including again being a, a proof point of that, we're seeing the massive demand from international investors, not only within include but across also the uh, the ecosystem in general. So, um, yeah, it's um, interesting times. Watch the space. Well, that's brilliant. That's been a fantastic intro. So yeah, we're going to take a quick pause here. We'll be back very shortly. Let's face it, cards were not designed for online. 
Payments can take days to settle, hurting customer loyalty, while high fraud, clunky checkouts and expensive fees means millions in missed revenue. At TreeLayer, we've made instant payments available for businesses across Europe and the UK, so you can cut costs, fight fraud, and get money moving faster. To learn more, visit treelayer.com forward slash payments. How will Web3 unlock the future financial services and change the way we think about money? Our first ever Web3 report takes a deep dive into the biggest conversation taking place in finance. Unpacking tokens, stable coins, ESG, DAOs, DeFi, regulation, and so much more. We also take a look at the opportunities it presents for your business. For crypto natives and newbies, head to 11fs.com forward slash Web3 report to download it today and get Web3 ready. Let's continue by looking at some of the challenges and opportunities in the Egyptian market today. So firstly, um, obviously we've talked about the opportunities, but we need to be realistic here. You know, what are the biggest hurdles in Egyptian financial services right now? Momtaz, you know, you're building a shipping product in this market. What's what's holding you back? I think um, when fintech companies work there, I would say it's a, most of the hurdles are opportunities at the same time. There is typically banking infrastructure that helps many of, the, uh, many of these companies extend financial services. Some of them are not necessarily yet available in Egypt. So for, if you look, for example, at credit history, uh, that's, that's, this is one uh, area that requires decades of work and is now being built in Egypt. That, and, and like I said, it opens an opportunity for other fintech companies to start working on these projects and creating credit history. But um, it becomes a challenge for the rest of the industry. I think uh, from the the fact that apart from from the very specific Egyptian challenges, there are also other challenges that face other startups, like the the fact that uh, that there needs to be changed quickly. The nature of uh, of building a startup is is bringing disruption very quickly and very fast, and that in itself is always a challenge for any startup because of the model how startups work. So. So I think apart from the general challenges that we see as startups in general, the, the specific ones are mostly related to infrastructure, uh, or, uh, like more requirements when it comes to building the infrastructure for financial services. Absolutely. Eslam, I think you, know, you touched on earlier on the huge proportion of you know, unbanked or underbanked individuals within, within the Egyptian uh, ecosystem, you know, obviously that creates a, a massive informal economy that you know these individuals are reliant on instead. So how how has that informal economy operated? You know, what challenges do fintechs face in coming into a market that has such a well-established informal economy? So the, the informal economy is exactly what represents uh, the opportunity here uh, in Egypt, right? And the key challenge, as with many emerging markets, is is always going to be around data. Right and uh, data that that enables you to access them in, in, the, in the beginning, and then once you access them, how do you create the right value propositions? And then finally, how do you assess or leverage this data to be able to execute? Right, um, like credit value propositions being a, a noteworthy vertical in this in this perspective. So they do represent an, an opportunity, and I think it comes back to what I was mentioning earlier, which is a customer-centric design, right? So you cannot expect that whatever was working in the traditional banking sector, right, 
it's not just a matter of reach. It's really delivering a value propositions that that fit within the context of what what are those dynamics of an informal economy and being able to tap into those insights and deliver right technology solutions that that fit uh, that sector because again you know if you ask ask them just to convert to digital payments or to become part of a cashless society that is not it's just not enough right you got to for people to change their behavior there's got to be something tangible for them and we've seen this Egypt is not different from that perspective compared to other emerging markets in Africa where we've seen technology adoption and financial technology in specific quantum leap. And we are already seeing this leap happening in Egypt and we expect it to happen at a much more accelerated rate. And uh, the great thing about what's happening here in Egypt is we're seeing all the stakeholders of the ecosystem come together to fulfill this strategy. And, and by that, I mean, and again, include as another proof point of that, which is, you know, we're seeing the banks come together with the infrastructure players like ABC, eFinance, seeing the CBE and uh, international investor community, and obviously, you know, all our, you know, our fintech founders coming together in a very collaborative approach to be able to solve for, for this financial inclusion agenda. So it's quite unique from that perspective. I think also it's important to add to, uh, and I agree with, with all of the points that uh, Islam has said, there are also, apart from the market challenges that we see, more enablers challenges that uh, we see as entrepreneurs, like talent, for example, is a very important point to, to highlight here. Like the like the access to talent in general, the world is becoming a challenge, and in Egypt is even more so. Because uh, uh, you are competing with Amazon's, Google's of the world to to ret- retain and acquire the most talented Egyptians uh, that understand the market well. And that, uh, that for us has, uh, has been one point that required a lot, of, uh, a lot of work and planning to be able to understand how can we build uh, a work-class experience uh, while we're facing these challenges. And I guess, you know, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I suspect as the world switches on to the opportunity in the market, you know, that challenge of, of that talent challenge is only going to get Hardy, you know, I wonder in particular, you know, the the threat or the opportunity of we're seeing of, of international fintech companies starting to turn their eye to Egypt, starting to move into their market. You know, do you guys feel that's a threat? You know, the, the likes of FlexPay uh, moving from the UAE, um, I think Jumo have, have announced that they're also looking to expand into Egypt. What, what impact do these international companies coming to Egypt have on the day-to-day reality of, of building, expanding fintech in your market? I personally think that this is like, I mean, Egypt is a, it's a huge market for in, in the region and, and that opportunity will always be available for all the companies. I think this creates a, a healthier landscape for, for all stakeholders, whether it's the consumer first and they have more, more opportunities. For startups like us, I think it, it's also healthy because it increases the level of uh, sophistication of these startups because they need to be at a much higher and competitive levels. And, uh, and I think also from an investment perspective, it, it shows that there's a lot of activity which creates a bigger ecosystem. I, I don't think we have reached a point yet in the market where that level of competition is, uh, is unhealthy. And I, I think uh, it's going to add more to the market. No, that's good to hear. And I suppose you know, flipping it the other way, you're know, looking at potentially Egyptian fintechs moving 
out into the rest of the region. Um, Eslam, you know, how important is it from your perspective for Egyptian fintechs to start branching out into the wider MENA region? You know, what, what's what's going on there? So the, the short answer is absolutely crucial, right? Uh, that's what we're betting on. But again, I think I think both sides of the coin are are, are connected. And uh, again, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, when it comes to include, part of our mandate is not just investing in Egyptian startups, but also investing in startups across Middle East Africa that want to expand to Egypt. So from all the stakeholders and from included the fund, we want to support in a very competitive environment in the local market, because at the end of the day, it is part of the strategy to ensure that Egypt is positioned as a leading fintech hub across Middle East Africa. And for that to happen, you need to be able to, to encourage this mobility of, of talent and capital and technology, right? And cross-fertilization, because it would help the entire ecosystem in Egypt uh, definitely uh, to flourish, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, like if we take one simple example, like when you talk about talent, talent is a big challenge for sure, right? But and and there is two ways to address that. One is to look at the local market, but also more importantly, look at the international market and bring in talent. So again, talent can come on their own, or they can come on the back of new companies coming into uh, in, into the market. But again, going back to, going back to your question uh, around the Egyptian companies crossing borders, here's the thing. So if you look at the opportunity map, okay, when it comes to financial inclusion. 75% of the financially excluded around the globe live in 25 countries. And these countries are emerging markets out of, and Egypt happens to be one of these markets, right? And these markets shares, you know, share a lot of similarities in terms of infrastructure um, um, challenges and uh, uh, customer profiles, regulatory challenges, etc. right? And the 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 thesis is if you're able to solve it within an environment like Egypt with uh, with a, across 100 million population the these technologies and these solutions should be transferable into emerging markets right and uh, you know we're very confident in you know the technologies and in the capabilities of the founders that are coming from this ecosystem and we're looking forward to support them to to expand into these to these markets. So it's great to see companies coming in and uh, we're increasingly seeing companies uh, crossing borders with Egyptian tech. So it's pretty cool. So we're expecting to see Lucky go on a global rampage anytime soon. <laughs> well, that's been great to scope out you know, how things are looking today. So uh, if I could, I'd like to dive next into what we think the, the future might hold. Obviously, it's exciting right now, but hopefully it's going to get even more exciting. So Momtaz, how do you see competition developing in, in the years to come? What, what, what lies ahead? I think that the financial sector or fintech has a lot of room in, in Egypt to, to create impact. And, uh, and we, we've, we've just started. Like, uh, we are seeing the first, uh, first in initiatives by, by some of the startups to, to create a, a, a seamless um, or, or to collaborate with the existing place to create a seamless banking uh, experience but there's so many uh, aspects or so many areas in the market that are still untapped and there are so many problems too that have been in the system that needs to be addressed uh, starting from uh, like segments like SME I, I, I believe in Egypt are uh, completely underserved and with that comes so many services like regarding how to extend loans to SMEs uh, things like factoring and invoicing for SMEs 
even consumers and on the consumer side also there are industries that are still that still need a lot of development insurance uh, leasing like all of these uh, Uh, financial services are not yet uh, ca- can be disrupted by uh, through fintech, and I think we're going to see a, lo- a lot of movement uh, in, in in the future uh, in these areas. Absolutely. Um, as I'm obviously you touched on earlier, the key role that the existing banks have have played in facilitating the growth to date. You know how how good a sign is it that the central bank is is welcoming innovation as actively as they are in Egypt? You know how. How important will that be for the future success of the market as a whole? So, I mean, the the role of the regulator is really crucial to enable the ecosystem, whether it's the current players, but also to create the right environment for future for future players. And it is one of those key drivers that, you know, especially international investors look at when it comes to you know evaluating markets to deploy uh, to deploy investments. Obviously, the role comes in the creating the right policies. But also creating the right tools, right? So the sandboxes that are being created in in Egypt are a great proof point uh, uh, for that. And the the other also very important point is that the drive and the support of the regulator helps banks, uh, traditional banks, to step in to support the ecosystem in this transformation. And again, we're very fortunate to have Egypt's leading national banks, like you know the uh, uh, Bank Mesa National Bank of Egypt. Bank Duker support uh, and back the Include FinTech Fund with a significant investment, eighty-five million dollars to be to be specific, uh, drive FinTech innovation in Egypt, and that is a clear statement um, from the regulator because we had to obviously get the approval from the regulator first, but also from the banks who are who you know believe in the ecosystem. And are looking to partner with the ecosystem to create the right solutions that capitalize on the Egyptian opportunity, but also to even help them with their uh, um, uh, digital transformation strategies. Right. So um, again, that's definitely a big signal there. Absolutely. Um, one other trend I'd, I'd love to get your perspective on is you know, we've seen. A lot of mergers and acquisitions in Egypt. So, you know, a recent report by Baker McKenzie said that Egypt was the second most targeted market for mergers and acquisition deals globally after the US in 2021. So, you know, does that ring true with what you're seeing on the ground, Islam? You know, what what does that mean for the future of startups in the region? Again, I think I think that is a very healthy trend uh, to see. Again, as ecosystems as ecosystems flourish, especially in, in emerging markets, you do see at certain points a movement of consolidation. Right, and that comes through a lot of uh, an increase in M&A activity on the ground. I think we're starting to see the beginnings of it. I think we're starting to see more as Egypt demonstrates um, its potential in the fintech space. And again, we're seeing there are very very few markets that can say that you can you can build the local unicorn within within the borders of a single country. Right, and. Uh, We've seen, you know, recent examples like Fowry, for example, being a, a proof point of that. So, yes, Egypt uh, offers you scale even without crossing borders. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's interesting you touch on Fowry. I was going to ask next about the uh, the dreaded buzzword of you know super apps. So everyone gets very excited, you know, thinking about the prospect of super apps in the market. You know, I believe you know, Mom tells you guys at Lucky describe yourself 
as a, as a super app. I don't know if is that is that fair. Would you describe yourselves as having super app aspirations? Yeah. So I I, I think the second I would say having aspirations would be an accurate uh, description. I wouldn't describe uh, Lucky Today as a super app, and to be and to be frank, I wouldn't describe any app in uh, right now is to be a super app. I think uh, a super app is like for for any of the real the, the substantial super apps that you see right now across the world, whether it's something like WeChat or Gojek, these have been um, developed organically over time. And I think uh, the most important thing for all uh, of of the current players is is to become create significant impact in one area and have Egyptians really uh, trust that brand and rely on that brand and then over time they, they can extend these services and hopefully become the super app that uh, that uh, that they aspire to be I think uh, in uh, from that perspective we lucky is, is 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 focused on becoming really good at providing the services that like w- whether it's a payment or or the banking services that we are focused on. And uh, we aspire over time to yeah, extend this and, and hopefully have Egyptians really rely on us and eventually maybe become a super app. I suppose staying on the, on the subject of aspirations, another thing that's talked about a lot is the, you know, the Pan-African Highway. You know, I think this has been talked about in some shape or form since you know, for, for many, many, many decades. You know, um, but Egypt is currently planning to work with nine other countries to construct a highway from the country's north to Cape Town in South Africa um, to expand trade in, in the African continent. So, uh, Islam, firstly, you know, do you think this will become a reality? And if it does, what, what impact will that have? Well, I, I can't speak to massive infrastructure projects, but I can definitely tell you that there is a there is a tech highway that's being built across Africa, and uh, and uh, and that's that's what that's what we're focused on building at the moment. And uh, and I think the importance of Africa to Egypt and vice versa is very obvious. And uh, it's happening at across across different um, you know, industries and uh, and uh, trade relations and um, and infrastructure initiatives and 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 again for sure technology. And uh, again, a lot of our you know, startups of the ecosystem are eyeing Africa for their, for their expansion, and we're doing we're doing the same as I mentioned with include eyeing African startups to come into Egypt. So we're building our own version of that highway. I think there is so many similarities again in terms of infrastructure opportunities and challenges that um, Egypt shares with the rest of the continent uh, that we can learn from them. They can learn from us, and uh, which can translate into solutions that add value to our populations. No, that's, that sounds very exciting. So I suppose um, I mean, we could talk about uh, the opportunity in Egypt all day, I'd love to, but uh, sadly, <laughs> I think we're going to have to start to wrap things up. So I suppose just to close, I'd love to get both your perspectives, you know, given your experience in the market today. You know, We have tons of listeners listening to the show who might be hopefully thinking you know, Egypt sounds like a great place to, to start something new. You know, What would be your one piece of advice to startup founders getting started in, in Egypt? Momtaz, maybe I'll come to you first. I think I think it's, it's similar to what I said at the beginning of, of the podcast. I think um, uh, these are very interesting times. Uh, there's a lot to learn and to develop as a as a founder, and uh, given how crucial that se- this sector is, if fintech is the sector of choice. But at the same time, this comes with a lot of challenges, like uh, starting a business and this, especially in emerging markets, and uh, addressing all of the continuous challenges that that you see is. Uh, 
is going to come with sacrifices, but I, I, I believe it's, it's, it's really worth it. Brilliant. And Esla? Definitely in Egypt and, and, and for sure in, in emerging markets, one word is agility, right? Again, one of, you know, I'll, I'll just pick up from, uh, from what you said, you know, you were mentioning the word super apps earlier and uh, it's interesting, you know, I don't, I don't think you should set up to be a super app, but you should allow your customers to take you where they want to see you, right? And, uh, and uh, so having the agility as, uh, as, as founders to start at a certain point and be flexible to pivot in very dynamic market environments is really one of the key ingredients of success here. Fantastic. Brilliant advice. Well, sadly, that's all we've got time for. That wraps up today's discussion. Thank you both so much for, for joining me. Where can people find out more about you uh, and your, your respective companies, Montaz? First, download the app. Lucky, lucky app is on, on both stores, iOS and uh, Android. Our website is www.lucky.app. And we are also have a strong presence on all social media uh, avenues. So. Brilliant. Aslam, what about you? Where can people find you? Well, include.com is, is coming soon. So uh, stay tuned uh, for that. And uh, meanwhile, you can, uh, you can reach us at uh, include.global.vc. Brilliant. And you can find me, Kate Moody, on LinkedIn at Kate Moody and on Twitter at k8.moody. Thank you for listening. If you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to leave us a review. It helps us to make it better and helps others to find the show. As always, if you want to join the conversation, you can find us on social media. Just search for 11FS or Fintech Insider or email podcasts at 11FS.com. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Goodbye.